Welcome back to the 20th episode of the DeCesare Group Podcast, the only podcast that covers the latest economic development and business news in South Central Kentucky. I'm your host, Jim DeCesare. The DeCesare Group Podcast is a companion to our newsletter, Soki Economic Development and Business News. You can subscribe on our website, thedeCesareGroup.com, or follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like us, follow us, write a review, and most importantly, tell your friends. Now, this week, classes start back at WKU. Go Tops! And I recently sat down with WKU President Dr. Timothy C. Caboni. President Caboni is a 1994 Western Kentucky University graduate, returned to the Hill in July of 2017 as WKU's 10th president. Shortly after assuming the president role, Caboni launched a comprehensive strategic planning process aimed at developing a roadmap for the university's next decade of growth. Thus, WKU's 2018-2028 strategic plan, Climbing to Greater Heights, was finalized in the summer of 2018, and its implementation is well underway. President Caboni holds a Ph.D. in higher education leadership and policy from Vanderbilt University. He served as the vice chancellor of public affairs at the University of Kansas for six years. Prior to that, he was an associate dean of the Peabody College of Education and Human Development at Vandy in Nashville, Tennessee. President Caboni is a native of New Orleans. He received his bachelor's degree in speech communication and rhetoric from LSU. He earned his master's degree in corporate and organizational communication from WKU. He has published nearly 30 articles and one book. His current research is focused on the use of data-based decision-making in higher education fundraising. And most importantly, he's married to Casey Schmidt Caboni. Here's my conversation with WKU president, Tim Caboni. President Caboni, thanks for joining us on the DeCesare Group podcast. A lot of stuff happening on the Hill this week. Absolutely. Uh, you know, last week was busy. This week, uh, we actually kick out, kick off classes and get everybody going. So. I know. It's, it's, it's so exciting, and I can't wait because I'm teaching a class this semester in I, the I've college heard, business. I've heard you on our business faculty, so that's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. I'm part-time. <laughs> but anyhow, hey, so you had your uh, convocation last week. Tell us a little bit about the, that event and the, its, its significance. <laughs> well, you know, this is this is my seventh year as president on the Hill. And Time's flying. People come up to me and say, well, you've been here three, four years. I'm like, no, this is year seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for those of uh, those of f- those folks who are following along, uh, in the first year, we worked on strategic planning. We put together a 10-year plan uh, that launched at the end of that first year. And so this year, we're really at the midpoint of a 10-year journey for the university. Uh, focusing on three areas, our students, our Hill, and our community and beyond. And so at Convocation, it was just an opportunity to update folks on the terrific progress the university's made in each of those areas and really proud of some of that work. I mean, one of the things we've always talked about is uh, making sure that every student who comes to the university has a good opportunity, not just to come for that first year, but to get their degree. That's what matters. And so um, we set a, a set of lofty goals around retention and graduation rate. We call it the 80-60 uh, plan. And how do you get to an 80% re- retention rate in that first year and a 60% plus graduation rate? And at Convocation, um, I got to talk about the gains. We're, we're up 6.7 uh, percentage points in first year retention, knocking on that that goal that goal of 80%. We're at over 78% now and, and going to be over hopefully 79 next year. That's fantastic. Well, uh, talking about uh, re- student retention, talk about your strategies uh, for student retention and how the LLC, the living learning communities, play into that. Well, at my investiture, I, I announced four important uh, initiatives and the first year village 
and replacing Beans, uh, Bemis Lawrence and Barnes Campbell was an important part of that strategy. Uh, but I challenged our academic affairs office and our student life office, not just to replace buildings, but to think about how this might work together across those two silos to advance student success. And where we landed was really on how do you create deep academic engagement in those facilities? And so um, we've expanded living learning communities. Imagine this. So instead of entering with 3,000 other first-year students, mm -hmm. you're entering with 23 colleagues who share an academic interest. You have a faculty member that's assigned to you, and you meet before classes even begin. Um, you take classes with the folks with whom you're living, at least one in the fall and one in the spring. And all of a sudden, everything that happens inside the classroom becomes as important as everything outside of the classroom in terms of academics. And right. so it, it's, just a, it's a great engagement strategy. We know that uh, last year, over 6% difference between students who were participating in the living learning community coming back in the spring semester and those who didn't. And so that's one of the ways in which we're growing that, uh, that retention rate. And, and, and those students that are in that cohort, for lack of a better term, um, they, they get to know each other and lean on each other and help each other out uh, throughout the semester. And do they stay together all four years? So what's interesting is uh, they don't do it through um, structures that we put in place, but mm -hmm. because they develop such great relationships with one another, they frequently... Uh, try to find roommate situations in the next week in a different residence hall. Yeah. Uh, and they try to sometimes get four or six of them together on the same uh, hallway. And so it's, uh, it's been, it's been amazing to watch uh, because it not only changes the first year experience for those students, it changes the perception of the institution. Fully a third of the entering class now is in an LLC. That's awesome. And when you think about that, it means that you have a deep relationship with a faculty member who knows more than just your name. They know where you're from, what your aspirations are, and they're going to walk with you through that first year to get to the second to make sure you're successful. That's fantastic. So let's talk about um, how WKU contributes to the local, regional economy and the impact it has because – it, it, it's huge. It really is. You know, we, we're um, probably the second largest employer in, in the city. Mm -hmm. um, Fruit of Loom, I think, is probably the largest. Okay. Uh, and, and what we know is that uh, the tax base that we help create is important uh, for the city and the county. Uh, more importantly, we really do, we're like a magnet. We attract folks mm -hmm. to town. When you think about uh, football weekends, for example, it's probably one of the most visible ways in which we help bring people to the community. Um, create an opportunity for them to spend money. Um, that's really important for growing uh, tax revenue. It's, it's helped support local businesses. And then the other thing I think that we do is um, we, we push and help um, entrepreneurs think about how they grow their work. And uh, I, kn I know we'll talk uh, later probably about the innovation campus. Sure. Um, but that's an important part of the strategy as well. We have got to be a talent magnet uh, to attract talent to Bowling Green and Warren County. We know there are open jobs now. We know we're going to grow in the future. Um, but one of the things that I'm pressing upon this year is Bowling Green is a great college town. We mm -hmm. all know that. But can we become a great knowledge town where we're a, a talent magnet that we change and pivot from um, a very strong manufacturing economy? And we'll continue to have manufacturing interested in what we do. But how do we pivot and shape some of the, uh, the way in which we... Um, the way in which we build new businesses and attract new investment in the region. That's, that's fantastic. And so with WKU, you know, I, I've talked about this on this podcast a lot, but, you know, we kind of have the best of all worlds here in Bowling Green and Warren County. I mean, we have a, a great industrial base. We have a great 
uh, professional base, professional jobs, and and you know whether it's banking or healthcare, and then you have the university, and not, you know, and and all those things together make this area such a great place to live, work, and raise a family. And I think you know we're, we're growing. Uh, a lot. And I know when you pulled up here, you saw some construction going on down the street. Uh, we can't build houses quick enough here in Bowling Green and Warren County. And it's because people are moving here and uh, they want to be a part of this community. And we have students coming to WKU. You know, I, I, every time I see one, I ask them, where are you from? You know, you're going to stay here, you know, and, and those are the things that we want to happen uh, because we are the, the, the what third largest city in the state now. And uh, that that's important to help our economy, and it, it's important for, you know, having great parks, having uh, great libraries, great schools, K through 12, um, having great roads and infrastructure, and that's all. You know, WKU plays a big part of all that. Well, you know, when you think about great college towns or great knowledge towns. Uh, we are in uh, the perfect setting. You think about the University of Georgia in Athens, just about an hour outside of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You think about uh, Lawrence, Kansas, from where I came, just about an hour outside of Kansas City. We're about an hour outside of the hottest, fastest-growing city in the country, right? Yeah. And you can feel Nashville uh, coming north every single day. It's yeah. getting closer and closer. For us, I think we have to, number one, define our identity as a community so that we don't just become Na Nashville North, but we, we're Bowling Green. Um, but number two, we're, we're kind of a gold, in a Goldilocks situation. As a, as a university we are, we're not too big, we're not too small, we're just right. Um, we're unlike really any other university in the state. And the same thing can be said for Bowling Green. Right? We're a college town, we're not too small, we're not, we're not just a town, we're a larger community that's growing and continues to grow. But we're not a big city either. Uh, and so with that uh, comes some real advantages to us. I think you, you, you nail it, that to manage through the growth of the next 20 years, uh, we're going to have to focus on infrastructure, particularly roads. We're going to make sure we have enough seats in our schools. We're working with Warren County uh, to do some work there to think about how it is we might be able to get folks into WKU quicker. We just announced uh, with Warren Central, our WKU um, plan to have juniors and seniors do a half day with us in person on the Hill. They can graduate with 30 hours. And we're doing a similar work with our transportation system. Just signed a joint contract with the city of Bowling Green so that uh, eventually, perhaps, our bus service on the Hill can also be bus service for the whole community. And you can imagine, all of a sudden, instead of students driving to campus, they can hop on a bus at their apartment complex and come on in yeah. and, and spend the day with us, hop on back on the evening, get to where they need to get. Um, our students need to be able to go to Walmart and uh, the mall. Yeah, but Spencer's. So Actually, yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, we have Spencer's on campus yeah, now, know, so we want to we want to them to spend their money there. Yeah, but they but they like to get downtown and uh, sit sitting there and do their. I see you know I see them, and so everybody sees them, and and that's important. So with with all of that, you you, you touched on the innovation campus, and I think it relates to all of what you're talking about. So what what is its role in advancing WKU's educational landscape? One of the things I said when we when I first got here is it was a tremendous opportunity. And, and, and I should say, Buddy and Sam have been on the program. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> so. they, they are wonderful evangelists for the Innovation yes, Campus. They, they will tell the story over and over again. Uh, they're tireless, and I'm thankful. I want to hear your side. <laughs> so here here's what, what I saw as the opportunity when I showed up. Um, we had this great Center for Research and Development, um, but... It, there was also a real estate play involved, like trying to generate rental revenue. And uh, it doesn't send the right message to the community that you're serious about research when you have a big lots retail store in your research park. Right. And so we had an opportunity. We didn't re uh, renew the lease with them. 
Um, and the opportunity that created for us was actually taking Holly Industries research components and putting it right in the old big lot space, right? Right. Um, what we want to do is create a space where um, it's attractive to local entrepreneurs to have their businesses incubated, but more importantly, um, as, as we know, that we have a wealth of manufacturing in the area. But what are the other areas of the economy that we have talent, uh, we have capacity, and we want to grow? And can we tell a compelling story around the university, uh, the city, and our proximity to Nashville and other infrastructure things that we have, including um, what is soon to be uh, one of 13 cities in the nation with 10 gig internet access to homes, right? Uh, and at the innovation campus, because of uh, Stuff Industries, we're gonna have a 100 gig connection. Uh, we can be one of the highest or the fastest connected university places in the world, That's right awesome. here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And so what we've done is we've leveraged that to begin attracting AI, um, uh, virtual reality, and, and technology companies. And so we've had five announcements in the past 12 months um, the, the most recent one being a startup from Hong Kong mm -hmm. that was looking at places in the West Coast, on the East Coast. And what she says, when she came here, she saw not just the possibilities, but that we're all on the same page. And that's one of our competitive advantages of community. Um, how do we all row or pull or go in the same direction? We all sing off the same song, same song sheet. And I do think you see that between the university, the chamber, the city, the county, we're all we're all rowing in the same direction. And you know, I've I've talked about this, and you've heard this story too, as a, a former legislator. But we are very unique compared to other parts of the states where our local elected officials work together. They have one goal, they have one vision, and that's to help Bowling Green Warren County, whether it's on the state level the local level, or at the WKU level? You know, they've been tremendous. And uh, since I've been here, they've been fantastic relationships. Uh, our next opportunity, I think, is um, moving toward a formalization of that South Central Kentucky caucus, right? Right. Well, where the, everyone knows what the agenda is. Uh, we all work together to advance it. And, uh, you know, I think we've done that. I'm, I'm so thankful for the legislature. Um, uh, you know, last session, they, last budget session, uh, they made a commitment to increase performance funding, uh, which helps with our bottom line. Um, they also made some capital investments, uh, uh, funding uh, uh, $75 million of a college of business building. The Gordon Ford College of Business will go into a new facility uh, fall of 25. Mm -hmm. We broke ground on it this summer. Dirt is being moved. Very exciting. Yeah. That's a project that's been talked about for over Oh, 20, I'm well aware. <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> I'm well aware. And so I, I appreciate everything that's been done in Grice Hall, but we'll have a new space for the College of Business. And then uh, really helping us think about asset preservation. Is there a way to make sure that we take care of what we already have? Mm -hmm. And um, we've done a lot of work at the top of the hill on the Hilltop Restoration Project. Uh, when, Grice, um, when Garrett Hall came down, when we did the Commons Project a few years ago, that created a real opportunity on at the top of the crown of the hill to return it to what President Cherry and our original architects wanted. And so um, if you haven't been uh, behind Cherry Hall, you need to come see what's happened. It's, it's completely it's, transformed. It's pretty cool. Uh, I go up there and run some, and, and so I run through campus. And uh, it's just amazing how much is going on. But it, it's so beautiful up there, too. And I was talking to I was when I was at this conference a, a week ago, an economic development conference, I had someone ask me about Bowling Green. He said, what, what, what makes it such a, a beautiful town? What, what makes it so great? I go, we've got museums. we got a performing arts center. We have tourist attractions like you know, uh, Lost River Cave and Mammoth Cave. 
and then we have our university. And I go, you aren't going to find a, a more beautiful campus anywhere in the country. I mean, I'll put it up against any campus. What's great is it's uh, the beauty and the feel of campus is a differentiator for us. When mm-hmm. folks come onto the Hill for the first time, um, it resonates. It's a place where they want to be. And what with the top of with the Hilltop Restoration Project, the top of the hill uh, being transformed allowed us to do is really uh, get the last cross street uh, closed. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you can only enter and exit now in front of Van Meter Auditorium. For, for those who are listening, you may remember this tiny little road that went between Cherry Hall and the faculty house. And since I arrived, I can't tell you the number of students I've seen walking through that little road with their, their head down on their phone with a car right behind them. It's right. a recipe for da- disaster. And so we wound up getting that one closed. And so you really have two spines up and down the campus, uh, Avenue of Champions and State Street um, and you can't go across anymore. And it's wonderful. It creates this great cloistered feel. Yeah. And, and now there are spaces uh, where it really feels like, to, to speak of Mr. Jefferson, uh, a, an academical village, but that's oval at the top of the hill. It's a really special place now. Well, you, you've kind of segued into my se- that, that question about capital projects in the College of Business. And, and you know, I tell, uh, I have some background in the construction world. It's easy to get the money to build a building. It's maintaining and operating it for 30 or 40 years. It, that's where the real costs come in. It is. And, you know, I'm mindful of that. Um, so as we uh, build this new building, we're going to add on to the dollars that the legislature has invested in us um, and have identified about $10 million of naming opportunities within the building uh, so that we can use that private philanthropy to make sure <clears throat> we're able to keep uh, keep up with the the, uh, the the maintenance and also make sure the inside of the building is as well appointed as the outside. And and when you talk about building and construction projects on any campus, you always have people that say, well, they're building these Taj Mahals. But I, I tell people this, every dollar at the university level has a boundary, you know. And it, someone may donate $10 million to do something for a specific reason, and it can't be used for anything else. That's right. It's a Restricted giving is the yeah. most important giving and the most popular giving for us. The other thing that folks, uh, I hope, think about is for every dollar invested um, in a student and what we do produces a $4 economic return in the back end, right? So in terms of taxes, a better health care, all of that, that works out to the benefit of the state in the long run. And look, higher education, I, I know that uh, if you think about confidence in any organization, it's been waning for the past several years. And we have to do a better job articulating the value proposition of a college degree. But I, I like to think of it this way. If I told you you could place a $40,000 bet investment and you would return $2 million from that $40,000 investment, I would take that every single day. And that's exactly what college is. It's an investment in you, your future, and future earnings. And it, it does pay off. So if it's a $75 million college of business, it's a $300 million payoff. That's exactly <laughs> right. That is exactly right. And uh, for us, we face real competitive pressures, right? So sure. uh, you think about the, uh, how many folks go to college in the Commonwealth. We've gone from 57 to about 47% of high school graduates going to something after high school. We have got to get that back up to 57%, particularly for us. When you think about with whom we compete, that invisible line between Kentucky and Tennessee mm-hmm. is is really there. And um, they have almost a 60%, over 60% college going rate. We've got to get there to keep pace with them to be able to compete uh, for talent and for to be able to continue to attract investment in companies in the area. The other thing to know is that you know we do overlap with Kentucky. We overlap with Louisville. We compete with the local community college. But 5,000 students apply to WKU 
and don't go anywhere after high school. And that's that's not a, a recipe for success for yeah, our that, region. Yeah, that's not acceptable. <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> no. Well, and so what we have to do, I think, is, you know, some folks will use uh, tuition as a cudgel. We have to think against the universities. We have to think about return on investment. We have to look at net tuition revenue. Don't just look at sticker price. We've been focused on affordability and making sure anyone who wants a college degree can come get it. We, we created the Hilltopper Guarantee for low-income students. If you have $1 in Pell Aid, we will zero out your tuition bill every semester if you have a 3.0. And so what that means is if you want a four-year degree, come to WKU. It doesn't matter the economic condition into which you're born. Uh, we want to make sure you still have access. And that, that goes all the way back to President Cherry's initial vision for the institution of being an institution of opportunity and access. Um, that changes over time what that means. But for me, it means opening the doors for everyone as long as they have a re reasonable chance of getting a degree in four years. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I like the way you keep referencing President Cherry uh, and and the mission that was started back in 1906. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, you know, I my office is where President Cherry's bedroom was in his house. And so I do think every day as I'm making decisions, uh, what would he think about these decisions? And, you know, the way, the stories I've heard about the way in which he and those who followed him made sure that people who wanted to come to WKU or Western or how, you call it however, the normal school, um, they had the opportunity to do it, um, that, that he would help find funding. Uh, but most importantly, never lost sight of. And look, we have students from all over the country. We have, and out of state is important for us. We have a tremendous pipeline from Nashville now. Probably a third of our entering class is out of state. We have a great pipeline from Chicago. But we can't lose sight that we were built and continue to have a 27-county service area. And so we have to stay connected to them. We have to help them understand that we're not just in their future, we're built for them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, a third of our students are the, still the first in their families to go to college. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's great for them. It's great for their families and their families' tr economic trajectory. But it's great for the region, too, to get those folks plugged in and growing. All right. Before we wrap up, uh, what's, what's the future hold for WKU in terms of growth programs and initiatives? Yeah. So I announced um, at Convocation last week uh, a focus on our research enterprise. One of the things we've done well over the past several years is continue to grow that federal research funding. Uh, but just like with retention, uh, a, a difficult goal will focus everyone's attention on pursuing that goal. And so I, I announced that I want us to double our federal, uh, federal research dollars that we get each year um, and also to grow to $40 million annually our uh, external funding expenditures. And so what that means is building deeper partnerships with companies in the area to pursue research. It means leveraging what we already know to attract federal investment. And that changes um, the undergraduate experience as well. We always have done research, but e creating even more opportunities for undergraduates to participate, to participate in inquiry. Um, Easy for you to say. Yeah, the, the, um, I got to work on that one. Uh, when you think about a, an R1 or a research university like that blue place and that other red place mm -hmm. in the state, um, you're lucky to sniff a lab in, until you're a senior or you're a graduate student. And we do that immediately as soon as you're ready on campus. And, and that's a differentiator for us. I would ar also argue because we focus so deeply on the undergraduate experience, um, that also is a differentiator. So growing that research is number one. The other thing is trying to identify three to five grand challenges for the university. What are vexing problems for our region, our nation, and the world that we as a university can affect? Um, and so I challenged the deans to think about that last year. We're going to have a broader group this year. And you can see that absolutely lining up with where we're going to make investments around research. I got you. And uh, real quick, uh, you did, we hadn't talked about it, but 
getting students in the lab. We didn't even talk about the Gatton Academy, but you know, the, the best and brightest are coming here at, at juniors and seniors in high schools and they're staying. A lot of them are staying. They are indeed. And, uh, they're, they're, they're doing some great work. It, it's amazing. Every seat is filled every year. We have excess demand. Um, I think we've, we've had students from almost every, uh, uh, county in the Commonwealth. We have one or two that we still need to hit. And, it, you know, I, we're working hard on that, but, uh, when you think about the future of our region, bringing those young people here who are just among the most talented young, young kids you'd ever meet, mm-hmm. um, they do two years on our campus. Fully a third of them will continue and get their, uh, their undergraduate degree from WKU. A third go to other places in the state. But what's fascinating, and this is what I tell them every year when I, when I visit with, with Gatton, uh, at the Gatton Academy with the students, is a third of them go to the best universities in the world. Yeah. So I remember I, I visited and I, I didn't realize it was um, college day and they were all wearing other university sweatshirts. And then I realized, oh, there were sweatshirts in the room from Vanderbilt, from Yale, from Stanford, from MIT. Mm-hmm. And I just implore them, if you're going to go have that experience um, and it's fully funded, I understand that decision. Come back to Kentucky. We need you to come back and be able to uh, help us grow the economy. We need uh, your talent to help the region uh, expand. And there will be opportunities for you uh, with the way in which we're diversifying our economy. President Caboni, thank you for being on the DeCesare Group podcast. My pleasure. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful service to the community. Appreciate you, Jim. Well, go Tops. Go Tops. Thanks for listening to the DeCesare Group podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Timothy Caboni. Next week, we're going to talk with representatives from the Bowling Green Area Chamber of Commerce's Young Professionals and Leadership Bowling Green programs. Now, remember, if you like the DeCesare Group podcast, then we want you to come grow with us. Like us, follow us, write a review, and most importantly, tell your friends. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's program is produced by the DeCesare Group. Our engineer is the newlywed, Justin DeCesare, with content contributions from Brooke Mattingly and Amy DeCesare. Keep listening to the DeCesare Group podcast and hear from industry leaders, business owners, and experts about the latest economic development and business activities in South Central Kentucky. Until next time, I'm Jim DeCesare.